This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fishing Game Podcast. You got your host here, Justin Townsend, and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam Berkelmans. And uh, tonight, the show is going to be uber exciting, uh, is we're going to talk about lots and lots of food. We're going to spend lots of time on food. Big food, in the sense of big game. Um, so really, I think... Since we are on the eve of big game season in most places around the continent, it's the perfect time to touch base on some of our favorite big game meals and uh, walk you through those and give some thoughts. Um, so some other things we'll hit on, some freezer management, and then also too, uh, Adam and I are going to play a little game and we're going to randomly put together a recipe that will be exclusive to this podcast that only our listeners will uh, get access to. And so I encourage you to listen to the end. After we talk about all the other recipes, we'll pull pull a random cut of meat from social media and uh, just start building on it. We'll see where we go. Never done this before, so it should be exciting um, nonetheless. But uh, a few updates um, for me. Uh, let's see. So, uh, last weekend I was out for elk archery, uh, spent some time here west of Denver and down in the Southern part of Colorado. Unfortunately, uh, ate some tag soup on that one season ends tomorrow and, uh, I will not be going back out again. So it's a super bummer, but, uh, 
had a good time nonetheless. Got into some good elk sign the last day, and and uh, you know, it's the way the season goes. I'll be back again at elk in November, but up in the northwest part of the state this time. And then this weekend, uh, taking my daughter, meeting up with some friends down in southeastern Colorado to uh, hunt the antelope rifle season down there. Super stoked. Those that know me know that antelope's probably one of my favorite meats. So really excited to get down there and get back out on the plains to hunt those and then headed up to Wyoming here very, very soon uh, to do some mule deer and more antelope. So pretty exciting. Glad to see the season kick off. In other news, uh, Adam is the host of our Antler and Finn podcast. Uh, Adam, what do you see kind of on the horizon for Antler and Finn, where I think we're we're well over probably a dozen or so recipes uh, up on on the website for uh, for that? What do you think for the future? Well, I think there's still lots of really excellent recipes coming in all the time for Harvest Nature. The field staff writers are bringing in some, some really cool stuff, so I'll keep plugging away on those. But I've I've had some thoughts on, on doing a couple of special episodes, maybe maybe having a chat with with the original, like the um, person who wrote the recipe originally, and kind of where their thoughts came from with it, or how they like to eat it, and uh, maybe one day doing like a live cooking recipe where I, I actually talk about it in, in while I cook it, um, which would obviously be a bit longer than the eight to ten minutes I generally uh, have for those podcasts, but. Um, yeah, I think I could play around with it and, and do something cool um, for the odd special episode. Ooh, I think that's cool. What do you think about a? What do you think about like kind of a a live episode? What if we went? What if we went live on Instagram or Facebook and and did a, a podcast on there too? Yeah, that might actually work. Um, yeah, I'm going to be changing kitchens or having an, an another optional kitchen soon which will be a little better with uh better upload speeds and everything which could facilitate a live um cooking show without any hiccups i think so um yeah i'd be totally into in for that that'd be really cool Ooh, that might be cool yeah we'll see that we'll see what that's like in the future i think we'll uh make sure you you stay tuned to this podcast and then go check out uh antler and finn which Adam hosts uh, for updates on that. We'll make sure that you're clued in so that you don't miss out when and when and where we plan that to happen. Uh, but either way, no, I I love the Antler and Finn podcast. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> uh, so it's definitely uh, <laughs> it's it's a good show in my book. I mean, I get I'm fortunate enough to get to hear them before they go out, and uh, great great content. So please keep up the good work. Um, also too, we have, uh, coming up here sometime in October, we're going into the final phases of our fall issue of the Harvest of Nature magazine. So look for that to be coming out here very, very soon. Pretty excited about that. Um, we've got some great recipes coming. We've got some awesome stories let me give you a quick little highlight here of what's going on uh, in the realm of the magazine. So as I look up for the article lineup, I've got uh, no surprise to anyone. I have an antelope recipe going in. Uh, and then we also have uh, some some sausage basics in there, uh, some good instruction on making sausages. Uh, Jeff Bend is going to be kicking us an elk recipe, which will be really, really good. 
Edgar Castillo's back again uh, with an article, uh, Generation in the Past, likely uh, bird hunting oriented, so excited to see that. And then um, AJ Fick, one of our field staff writers, will be uh, writing a future of food rebuttal. So there was some interesting, um, an article that was published, uh, I forget the medium it was published in, but it essentially was like, by the year, I think it was like 2050 or 2080 or something like down the road, like we're all going to be art eating artificial foods and insects and like all these crazy things. And, um, you know, if you know us well, you know us that we're not in agreement with that. I think that, uh, being that we're all very conservation minded, that we want to be very focused on protecting the, re- the food resources we have. So, um, Excited to read that one. And then uh, I, I did a pinion, pinion nut uh, article, so harvesting pinion nuts. So while I was down elk hunting uh, this last weekend, I ended up in a plethora of pinion nuts and uh, made some harvest and did some research on some r- cool recipes. So uh, Never go home at the end. I'll be excited to see that one. Uh, and I think Adam – yeah, that's it, right? That's that's it. Never go home empty-handed. And uh, Adam, I'll I will be sure to bring you some pinion nuts uh, down to the pig camp in December, mm. so that you can you can go home with some and, and give them a try. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So, um, and then let's see to 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 top it off, we've got a uh, Adam's going to be providing us a, a nice DIY on a uh, butchering a goose or processing a whole goose, which is. Very, very important because we're on the eve of waterfowl season. Some places have already kicked off, but um, I think definitely want to encourage folks to get out and try some goose. So it's a good good resource to doing that, to tackling that uh, preparation of it, to break it down. And you go pretty extensively into that. I think you do the butchering and like stock and uh, rendering the fat down. It's a, it's a pretty impressive piece. Yeah, there's not much left of the birds once, once I'm done with them. Just a, a honk or two, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's perfect. So, um, man, so Adam, what's been going on with you? Well, it's uh, it's actually uh, waterfall season has started for us in, in Ontario here already. So um, I've gone out. I went out on my first dove hunt, actually, that I've ever gone out, which was a lot of fun. We got a couple couple doves. And then I went out on a duck and goose hunt um, the other day, but we came home empty-handed, um, unfortunately. But uh, there'd be lots more, lots more time for that. So I'm looking forward. Last year I didn't get any ducks at all, but a bunch of geese. So hopefully this year I can get some more ducks. Um, and we're gearing up for um, archery season for for whitetail around here as well which I'm very much looking forward to. And I've just been out every single day harvesting mushrooms. So I've been bringing home lots of bleats and hedgehogs and chanterelles. And I found a big hen in the woods and chicken in the woods. So I've just been hauling in like our kitchen just reeks of mushroom. Uh, <laughs> and I've been cooking them pretty much every day for dinner so far. So I've been just <laughs> it's one of my favorite times of year. I actually almost get the same level of excitement when I come across a really awesome mushroom as I do when I'm hunting. So it's just, you get like the adrenaline and, uh, I really love it. So that's been going on. Um, I've got my, everything back up and running. Uh, I was the victim of a cyber attack and lost 
my Facebook and my Instagram and all, pretty much everything, all my Intrepid Eater stuff. Um, but due to the uh, help of some friends, uh, no help at all from from uh, social media, but the help of some friends, I was able to get everything back again, um, which was just a real pain in the ass, the whole thing. But uh, I'm back, so I'm happy about that. I was gone for a few weeks there, so... Um, so I'm just getting back in the swing of things again. Um, and yeah, uh, everyone turn on double authentication. Uh, that's my, my one thing to say after my whole experience, go into your settings and find two factor double authentication and, and turn that on. And if you're running a page, um, on Facebook, set someone else up as an admin that you trust that can, like if you get knocked out of Facebook, then they can set you back up again, uh, because that's the only way I was able to save all my stuff. So I was I was lucky in that respect. So uh, yeah, those are some some security tips for for anyone who's doing something like we are here. So so have you hypothesized like how how that happened, how the cyber attack hit? Yeah, it was through Facebook ads. So I've I've purchased a few ads um, for my Intrepidator page on Facebook, and. Somehow they they got through to that, which had my credit card information. They, um, I basically got a, a notice from the bank that said there was something suspicious happening. And while I was on hold with them, I went to check on my Facebook and I couldn't get into it. So they had posted something awful on my personal pages, which had got Facebook to shut them down permanently. Uh, so then I couldn't get to my page, which they were ransacking uh for my credit card money so they were just emptying my my bank account basically and sending money to nepal i believe um so yeah they basically blocked me from doing anything about it so i had to get my my card frozen and then uh like i said i had somebody as an admin on my page and they were able to kick them out and put me back in um which i'm so grateful for but yeah so um they were just after after money. Oh wow! Well, I'm glad it wasn't. Um, you know, sucks. It, it it definitely sucks. You had to go through all that, and uh, I definitely don't wish it on anyone. So yeah, definitely take the advice Adam said there. Make sure you have your security settings uh, enacted on your social media, because unfortunately, you never know. But um, definitely glad. Um, and this, this may sound a bit weird, but. Uh, it wasn't like a personal attack from like, mm. you know, an anti-hunting group or anything like that. So, uh, that's what I thought at first was someone centered like money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I've had a few, I've had a few, uh, verbal attacks about that kind of stuff, but nothing. Um, and I've, I've had some people flag me for like human trafficking and weird stuff like that when I posted, um, like a goose butchering thing, for example, like sometimes I'll get hit with a couple of weird flags like that. Uh, so I know that, that there are some who do uh, play dirty <laughs> in that respect, but, but this was all just for money, just hackers doing it for money. So, yeah. And I'd much rather just have a conversation rather than if, if anyone wants to discuss uh, meat eating and the things I do, I'd rather have a discussion than, than get flagged for, for human trafficking on Facebook. So yeah, let's just talk, man. Well, I'm glad you're back up and running. Uh, definitely. I, I was paying attention and 
and uh, eagerly biting my nails on the sidelines, hoping that all was good and, and glad you got back. So um, shift gears a little bit. In, in some other news, actually, Adam, this involves you as well. Uh, if folks have been watching, or if you watch, or if you don't watch, you should watch. Check out uh, The Sporting Chef. Uh, the Sporting Chef is on uh, the Outdoor Channel and I think Sportsman's Channel as well. So we are, we as in Harvesting Nature and, and all those involved with us, uh, including Adam, Ara, Casey, myself, um, all Harvesting Nature has a segment now on The Sporting Chef where uh, you can see some great recipes, tips, tricks, techniques uh, right there on the big screen in your living room, uh, which is it's pretty exciting. I mean, it's exciting for us. Uh, it's the first time we've hit, like, public television, I guess you could call it. I don't know what else you would call it. But, um, no, it's, it's fun stuff. So uh, we're excited that that's happening. So please stay tuned and... And if you see us on there, give us a shout-out. And then other news today, uh, I don't know, Adam, if you've listened to the latest episode of the Meat Eater podcast, but it is a trivia. And on that trivia, there is a question that is directly related to me uh, and a recipe I wrote for Meat Eater. Uh, Go, I think it's like minute 12, 12 minutes, 40 seconds or so. But uh, listen to it there and get a cool little little shout out uh, for a recipe I wrote for Meat Eater uh, back a couple years ago. But still a great, delicious recipe, and you should also cook it. So after you listen to that, like go go look up the recipe and then cook it as well because <laughs> phenomenal. So when are you when are you signing autographs? Uh, right now. I mean, <laughs> just just send me. You know, I'll, I'll send you one on my phone. <laughs> um. So I think tonight, the what, what we want to do, like I mentioned earlier, is talk about some of our, our big game favorites uh, for meals. So I think first off, to lead out of the, the bag, like what do we consider big game? And uh, I'll, I'll pose that question to Adam, and then I'll, I'll add on some thoughts. So Adam, what do you think big game is? Or what do you consider big game? I think I would approach it in kind of like a, a several-tiered kind of thing so so top tier big game would be your your deer white tail mule deer whatever uh, maybe your elk caribou and moose um maybe sheep in there too i'm so far removed from the western hunting that i don't it doesn't cross my mind too often in the east here but uh and then your second tier um, maybe like wild hogs and bear and a couple different things like that. And, uh, I don't know if there's anything to throw into third tier. Um, maybe you're smaller, like sick deer or, um, people are going after like mountain lion or, or coyote. Those aren't often eaten, but some people eat them. Um, yeah, so it kind of fits everything there. So the, what, like when we talk about big game, I think most people automatically jump to the, the uh, kind of the the elk and the deer and the and the moose for the most part. What do you think about it? I I think you're I think you're pretty much like spot on. Like people think big game, you go like venison, right? And the term venison is like synonymous with 
with deer, with elk, with antelope, with uh, those um, those types of animals uh, that are most commonly hunted, I think, in North America. And I think that that's like big game. And then you also, you know, you mentioned, excuse me, sheep, uh, sheep, mountain goat. Those would definitely fall in there. You get bear, definitely. I would say mountain lion too. Um, what is it that we say in our uh, our big game blend? Let me see here, because we have a big game spice blend. Those that don't know, and it's a uh, it's also a great way, pretty universally tested. It's delicious. We'll go into it because I feel like we've talked about it a lot. It is phenomenal. I love it. Have you put it on the popcorn yet? What? Yeah. Popcorn? Yeah. No, not yet. Oh, yeah. Throw it Is on it popcorn, good? yeah. It's not just for big game. For big kernels, too. <laughs> yeah. So we put it, uh, we categorize this, we we categorize uh, via the spice blend here, which is not an official method, but uh, we label it the perfect blend of spices for any meat that has antlers, horns, or hide. So I think that's pretty... Yeah pretty encompassing so even to like the hide piece because then you get uh you get like hide or furs or things like that like furs yeah. you typically lean towards like small game yeah that's true yeah because something like like nilgai or um a couple of the, the other odd ones could would fit into wild game or sorry um big game as well and they'd be more of a hide kind of thing yeah 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 hide horns mm. yeah. yeah yeah i think so um no, no, I think that's a good classification. But I mean, either way, like, I think what's great about a lot of the big game recipes too, and especially like venison recipes, is because most big game meat is lean and without, a, you know, it's lean without a lot of fat. And uh, it's got a very like rich flavor to it that those recipes that we create are often synonymous between big game species. And uh, so. You may hear us mention something in elk, but that doesn't mean you can't use it for deer. That doesn't mean you can't use it for uh, black bear or use it for sheep or mountain goat or mountain lion, like whatever. Uh, Understand there's going to be nuances in the flavors, but I think overall you can pretty much like mix and match in there. I don't know, Adam, do do you disagree or agree? No, I totally agree. I would say... Maybe bear and wild hog would be on their own class simply because you can't eat them rare. Um, so some of the preparations that I would use for cervids, mm. like elk and moose and everything, I'd want more of a rare cut. But when you're talking about the slow cooking methods, then, then I would say that they can be used for those as well. That's just where I would draw the line between that. Um, and actually, you forgot one big one, which is funny because I just ate it an, an hour ago, is bison. Uh, for another awesome big game animal. Ooh, yeah. It was we had it for yeah. dinner tonight. I so. do like bison too, and I think too with the availability, uh, a lot of free range bison ranches and things like that. So if you can't always get your hand on wild game, like bison's probably like literally the closest domestic substitute that you could get. Because I don't know, I don't always get on board with some of the like you see like wild or uh, farm-raised deer and farm-raised elk, and then you get into the whole, like, CWD conversation, and I'm just like, ah, I don't know. So, not saying that those places have them, but, like, just being weary of that being sort of like an epicenter of, of transmission if it was to occur.
Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. So, um, well, let's let's dive in a little bit. So, Adam, when we when you think about uh, your cuts and stuff, like whenever you you come back and you're butchering and processing, like how do you cycle through your freezer? How do you prioritize the cuts that you're thinking about cooking? Um, there's certain things I find like the um, the offal or the organs, the tenderloins, um, some of those kind of more tender cuts. I find they get freezer burnt before the bigger cuts. There's just less protection on them. Um, partially, potentially due to the, the meat fibers being looser or the pieces being smaller even. So I tend to try to cook those ones first and keep them at the front of the freezer. Uh, where the bigger pieces get pushed into the back of the freezer, they can handle a little more time spent in there. And um, often the bigger cuts are for a kind of bigger, like if I'm throwing a big dinner or a celebration or a big barbecue or something, I'll dig into the back and pull out one of those kind of bigger shoulder cuts or, or a whole leg or something. Um, and I'll have the smaller cuts for my, you know, week weeknight dinners. Um, so I kind of break things down into manageable dinner size kind of uh, packages and I kind of lay out in my mind, kind of imagine what I'm going to be um, eating for the next year and and cut things to how I generally eat. So, you know, we eat a lot of like stir fries and this and that or, or um, skewers or, or stews. Like I'm going to be cutting things to fit for that um, or keeping pieces that I can cut once I thaw them out into those kind of things. Um, so that's generally how I do it. I split my freezer up very much into. I have one of those standing freezers, and it's like, like the venison shelf, the fish shelf, the bird shelf. Like it's definitely all split up like that as well. <laughs> That's awesome. I was gonna ask too, like a uh, sort of freezer management, but um, first I'll I'll hit on like I I uh, I'm like all over the place. I'll be like super honest. Like I I divide my freezer up. Uh, based on on what cuts you know they are and like I kind of put them in general areas I like Corey has a good like uh, reusable shopping bags like putting certain cuts in there and like you know all the ground meats in one like all this stuff but uh, outside of that like I'm literally all over the place I'm like ah, oh, what do I want to eat tonight I pull it uh, I pull it to thaw it out and I'm just like 
what what do I want to eat? Whatever. I'll I'll figure it out as I go. So like sometimes if I'm not writing recipes, uh, there's like literally no forethought <laughs> into uh, my process of how I prioritize it. But meh, whatever. It's uh it, it's still fun. Uh, just to get into. I guess I'm I'm taking pictures um, every night because I'm posting my meals every day. Whether or not I do rest like usually three recipes a week probably and then i'm posting nearly every night um so i do have to i do spend a lot more time than i used to before i did the intrepidator stuff on thinking about what i'm going to be cooking and what's coming next and not to do the same thing too many times in a row like to keep it um one day completely different from the next and whatever uh so that takes a lot more forethought than i ever used to put into cooking um I've always been a pretty adventurous cook, but I never had to think so much about it as I do now. So that's really changed how I organize my freezer and how I um, manage like all the meat I have in it. it. It's changed quite a bit in the last few years because of that. Huh? Yeah. I uh, I definitely I am like I said a bit strategic. So when I am cooking recipes, it's usually like I'm sort of planning out three, four days in advance of like, oh, I'm going to do this. And I research the topic and I research the recipes and kind of like go in depth. And I'm like, okay, now I'm like, I'm comfortably ready to initiate and execute on this recipe. So uh, I, I feel you on that. I could definitely relate. But outside of like prioritization, do you have any tips for like your freezer management? I know you mentioned the shelf. And uh, I mentioned just kind of like organization in general, but do you do like first in, first out, like labeling? Uh, and uh, I'll get on a little bit of labeling, but how do you do you put the newer stuff at the back and the older stuff at the front? Like, what's your what's your typical cycle? I get a lot of um, gifted meat, um, and I do a lot of butchering for people, and end up with a lot of the stuff they don't want from the animal too. Uh, so I end up getting a lot of random stuff and a lot of repeats. So I end up with like 10 shanks or, or like 12 shanks in the freezer and, and uh, like six hearts and a couple of different things like that. So I tend to like kind of pile those things all together um, and I label the dates on them. So I'll use the, not always even the dates. Sometimes I'll see which one's bigger or smaller for if I'm feeding just like my partner and myself, I'll go for the smaller one if I'm feeding more people will go for the bigger one, whether or not it's newer or older. Um, so I generally like kind of try to keep the older stuff um, coming out and the newer stuff going to the back, but it's not a hundred percent at all. Um, if I dig in through and I find that some of the stuff is looking maybe a, like say the backpack broke, the seal broke, or if it's looking a little. Um, freezer print or whatever i'll definitely make a mental note to cook that like this week or next week um and one thing with the freezer like uh, this is the first time i've ever had a stand-up freezer and i'm never going back again because everything is just there for you. you there's no like bending over with your feet kicking out and your belly's on the edge of the freezer and you're like digging in the bottom and you're finding stuff from like four years ago or five years ago <laughs> Uh, it's just so much easier to organize now and they're a little more expensive, but uh, yeah, I'm never going back. It's they're They're awesome. Yeah. I, I think it's a, I, I've planned to get the stand up one when I buy one, I've got like a smaller one cause we lived in a, a smaller place down in Key West and it wasn't always as easy to, uh, find the space to put a freezer and, 
And so now that we're here, we get some more garage space. It's like sealed off and also during the winter, I don't have to worry about it thawing because it's cold as hell in the garage. But uh, I, I definitely want to stand up and it's for that. Like I'm, I just want to be able to like open it and be like, oh, here's the game meet and just like, <laughs> you know, pick and choose what I want freely. So um, yeah, no, excited for that. But I think there's definitely techniques to to keeping a, a chest freezer organized too. Like I mentioned earlier with the bags, like Corey's pretty solid at that. He's got like two huge chest freezers at his house down in his basement that I've personally seen like packed full of meat. And I'm like, good for you, Corey. Good for you. And we did a whole uh, – it was just a couple episodes. We did a whole – episodes on like cleaning out the freezer Mm. and ways to like quickly move through things like me my goal is is like i want to get through the freezer before the next hunting season starts and like kind of refresh and start anew that doesn't always happen and then like i take different animals different times of the year like i took the you know the wild pig when we were down at pig camp Mm -hmm. like i had that i still have a whole quarter uh in the freezer that i'm just like gonna do something with at some point but um was the other is like uh do you track do you track what you have in your freezer at all? Um, not in my big deep freeze, but for the first time in my life I had to do it with my little freezer on top of the fridge. Um, because that's where I keep a lot of like mm-hmm. a lot of experiments and like weird little things like little bags of gizzards and you know, like berries that I picked and and it was just like, you know, you open it and you have to like hold everything in so it doesn't all fall out on you and uh, whenever we have guests over and they go in <laughs> yeah. for, for ice cubes, they're like, holy shit, <laughs> what is this? So I was getting to the point where I couldn't recall what was in the back <laughs> of it anymore, all my little experiments. So I did actually make a a, a sheet and I magnet, put a magnet on it on the fridge and now I'm tracking what's in it. So I have a pretty good head for keeping track of everything like that. So I'm still good for my deep freeze, but yeah, I was getting a little carried away in the little one, so... How about you? Do you keep one? Yeah, I've got a whiteboard uh, that's near my freezer, and then the inside one. Yeah, I'm like you. The our, our inside like mini freezer is just chaos. Yeah. Um, it's got like I've got like alligator in there. I've got some like deer kidneys. I've got like random fruits. Or uh, Corey gave me some chestnuts. I've got in there. I, I pulled out a bunch of fish the other day that was from like two years ago when I lived in the Keys. And I'm just like. Holy smokes! This is this is uh this is quite the smorgasbord. So, no, um, definitely a good. That's that's something cool. Do you have a? Do you monitor the temperature on your freezers at all? No, I never have actually. I never even like whatever setting. Like this fridge was here when we moved into the house, so whatever setting it was on, it's been that way ever since. I think I play around with the fridge one a lot more than the freezers, but well, I, I uh so I put um. I've got these, I think I got them on Amazon, but it's like this little basically bank of like the two temperatures and you put it on the front of your fridge. It's like magnetic, but it's uh, wireless and it sh- it'll, you put the other sensor in your freezer. Like I put one in my top freezer and one in the bottom freezer and it's got like alarms on it. So if it drops below a certain temperature, like it'll go off, an alarm will go off on it uh, until you know, uh, until you realize it and then like take action. But um I need to get one that sends a message to my phone. So if I'm traveling, huh. yeah, that would be good. Yeah. I don't know if they make those, but that would be very smart. Then if you're traveling yeah. and you and your freezer is dying, which is a constant nightmarish worry in my head, um, then you could send a neighbor over to to 
save it somehow or something. Yeah. That uh was it that happened to Ryan and Emily uh this I think it was this summer, so or no no, it was earlier in the spring. So last year in the early part of the summer, we all bear hunted in Oregon and Ryan shot a bear and like, you know, we all helped him pack it out and stuff like that. And he's like, Hey, I got some meat for you do this. I got some, some fat that they rendered. And, uh, him and Emily went out of town to go somewhere and, uh, there was a storm while they're out and they knew that they lost power and they didn't really think anything about it. And then they came back and, uh, they had had their freezer plugged into a power strip with like its own little surge protector on it and so when the power dropped it flipped the surge protector on the bar but when the power came back on because the surge protector was flipped it uh it didn't allow power to go back to the uh, freezer so the meat never refroze so he's like we got back after being like gone for like a week and we like lost the entire bear pretty much which was just like that's a low that's a low hit yeah right oh man so let's let's uh let's talk a little bit about some some uh meals by cuts and uh with this let's look at so i want to hit on kind of uh five main areas here so we've got ground meat obviously everybody likes ground meat we got steaks everybody likes steaks roasts if you don't like roasts, you should like roasts. Uh, other cuts, which will include like shanks, um, what, belly flat meat, uh, geez, we'll throw back straps in there, I don't know, whatever you can think of, the other cuts. Uh, neck meat, we'll throw that one in there too. And then lastly, we'll hit on like the wobbly bits, which uh, it's my favorite term, that's a Hank Shaw term. Um so the wobbly bits, so that'll include like kidneys, heart, uh, liver, uh, pretty much any anything you can think of, and and then we'll do the random recipe at the end. So let's let's hit on ground first. So uh, I'll I'll go first, and we'll just kind of round robin this. Um, so probably one of my favorite ground meat recipes is to do a huevos rancheros. You can go to the website and you can find it. We'll put it in the uh, show note links here. But this huevos rancheros that I created in my mind, I worked on this recipe for a while. And uh, it actually happened. I was the executive chef at a restaurant called Mellow Cafe, which is in Key West, which survived Hurricane Ian, thankfully enough. Um, And you can still go there to this place to this day and get the huevos rancheros the way in which I prepared it. You can also have many other wild game inspired dishes that they still prepare there. Uh, but huevos rancheros. So picture this. So you season the the ground meat pretty well. I would say you could use our big game blend, but you need to add cumin and probably a little more chili powder in there. Get a good, nice, nice flavor. And um, with that, so you're going to need that. You're going to need beans. You'll need your your uh, cheese and uh, the ranchero salsa, which is like this super cool, smoky. Uh, you rehydrate some peppers. You do like all this other stuff. make this really delicious uh, ranchero salsa. But you layer it. And so a lot of traditional huevos rancheros recipes use uh, either corn tortillas or flour tortillas. But this one I use tostadas. Mm. And I stack it uh, 
like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Like it's just a stack. And so it's like beans and cheese, beans and cheese, beans and cheese. And then in between each one of those layers is a tostada. And then you just like dump the meat on top and then you put more cheese on there and then you put the ranchero salsa and then you hit it with like, you know, your other, uh, your other little, um, garnishes as well. And just like, but you cut through and you just drag the fork all the way through and you hear it crack and crumble. And oh yeah, don't forget the over easy egg on top because what would huevos rancheros be without the over easy egg? And then the, the yolk just runs down the side, and oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to make it very soon. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. But yeah, that's my favorite ground recipe. I think. What uh, what do you got? So I, I kind of thought of a an easy one that's that I really like, and um, a little more technical, difficult, difficult one, but that that was awesome. So the first one is actually um, a number of years ago. I was working for an Amish family. Uh, doing farm work. He had a cannery, so I was canning stuff we picked from the farm and milking cows and, and everything. It was just a really cool experience. But uh, we went in for lunch every day, and his wife would cook up these amazing meals. And one time she made uh, haystacks. And I guess every, like, um, like Mennonites and Amish and all these different kind of religious groups make these haystacks differently, um, all the way from Hawaii to Pennsylvania to Ontario here. Uh, these ones in particular... Uh, you basically take ground meat, so you can do any any kind of ground meat. Um, venison works great. Uh, you mix it with some some Worcestershire sauce and some spice mix. So like your big game spice blend would be good, or chili powder, Cajun kind of thing. And you just cook the ground beef up in a cast iron pan, and then um, you cook up some rice and. You're going to create basically a big layered haystack. So I like to do um, rice and then the um, chopped tomatoes, chopped peppers, um, and then a layer of shredded lettuce, and then a big handful of hickory sticks um, on top, and then just slather the whole thing in ranch dressing. And so you end up with this like tall stack, like hay haystack, and especially with the hickory sticks, it really looks like it. And uh, you could, you know, make them and make them all. Wait, 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 wait. What, what, what is a what is a hickory stick? Oh, uh, maybe they're a Canadian thing. I don't know. Hickory sticks are like, like uh, little. How do you even describe them? They're like potato chips if they were little sticks, like little potato sticks. Um, but hickory flavor. Oh, do you have like an American equivalent of those or? Yeah. Wow. Oh, we do. I can't think of the name of it. Let me, I'll, I'll look it up. Keep going. Okay. Uh, we, we do. Oh gosh. Now that I see what it is. So you could use anything kind of chip like and crunchy on top of that. I found the hickory sticks just really work well with it. Um, yeah, so you could either make them four of them and make them really pretty with a big stack with different colored tomatoes and whatever like I've done or you could put it all on the table and just like taco night with the kids and family you can just all make your own haystacks which is a lot of fun too um, so that's a really good go-to easy weeknight recipe you could use any ground game you could change up whatever you have on hand to make them so they're really nice and the, uh, the more difficult one that I did um, are uh, Jamaican patties 
which I made from scratch with venison, or ground venison. And it's not insanely hard, but you do have to make the pastry, um, which has, I don't know if you've ever had a Jamaican patty before. They're really big in, in Toronto here. There's a big Jamaican population. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So good, so tasty. And if you make them from scratch at home, they're like 100 times better than the what are already amazing. You can put way more meat in them. And you just use, you make like a flaky pastry dough with turmeric in it. And uh, I'm no baker, so if I can do it, I'm sure most people can do it. Put your mind to it. And then you stuff them full of like venison with uh, minced garlic and scotch bonnets and lots of like uh, thyme and paprika and allspice, like the nice Jamaican spices. And uh, bake them up and they're just so delicious. They stain your fingers yellow a little bit, but uh, yeah, that has probably been my favorite ground game recipe I've made to date so far. So it takes a little more effort, but uh, well worth it, and you'll impress everyone you feed. So I, I was looking, and, and I got mixed up. So uh, here in the States, we have these things. They're called hot fries. Um, okay. Not like the flaming hot Cheetos, but they're like hot fries. They used to be like they used to be like thinner. They're like in a blue bag. But then I got those mixed up. So here, uh, they're just called potato sticks. But there's not like a okay. barbecue flavor. I think a barbecue flavor would go over really, really well. They're just like yeah, that plain. Would work too. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, these hickory sticks. If you're ever in Canada, oh, bring home I'm a couple of bags. Just, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, because they're they're not the best on their own. But if you add them to things, you can. can man, I'll bring some for you <laughs> to the big camp. I'll sw- I'll switch them out for I'm, opinion nuts. I was gonna say, can you bring some for yeah. me in December? <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a good trade. <laughs> um, all right. So I think my like my more challenging one uh, is scotch eggs. Mm. And um, I really, I really like scotch eggs. Um, but I think, too, a great way to do scotch eggs is we discovered. So we did a bit of testing at the our last wild pig camp because Adam's like, well, we need stuff to make breakfast sausages. And I was like, we got stuff to make breakfast sausages. So we used uh, our upland fowl blend mixed with ground wild pork and then threw in some fennel and came up with like pretty much like breakfast and and like maple. We used maple syrup or honey in there. I forget what we used. Yeah, I can't remember. I think, I don't know how easy it is to come by maple syrup in Texas. So it might have been honey. It's... it's it's doable. It's pretty. It's, yeah. it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah 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 we have it we have it, um, but no. So to do the scotch eggs, like I, I definitely love it, and I like to play around with the consistency of the yolk. So like a few minutes to the right or the left, actually a few mm. seconds, like right or to the left changes the consistency of the yolk like pretty dramatic. But I like to get it perfect, and then you get it, uh, you know, the meat packed around it make like the perfect little ball then you roll it in the you know uh flour egg wash breadcrumbs get it really well drop it in the oil let it crisp up and just pull it out and oh my gosh it's such a good meal actually uh era did a did a, a video class um making those but he did the outside he did the flaming cheetos which you just mentioned and they were they were awesome yeah, that was a pretty cool class. Yeah. I think we still have that one up on on the website. Uh, you can go and rent the class. Uh, I think you it says you rent it, but you essentially like get it indefinitely. Um, but that's a cool one to make too. You did a really really good job with that. Um, 
Man. All right, so let's let's move over to steaks. I'll let you lead off. What's a what's what's a top steak recipe you've got? I didn't actually look up any steak recipes because I figured people generally get steak covered. But I do have one actually that that worked really good. Um, someone gifted me with an elk steak. I haven't been lucky enough to go hunting out out west. We do have some elk here, but there's no season on them. Uh, but I made elk steak gochujang noodles. So gochujang is a Korean spicy mm. funky sauce that makes everything taste better um so i made i kind of cubed up the steak seared it um tossed it in with uh noodles kind of asian noodles in um in this gochujang sauce um mixed with a little honey and soy sauce and sesame oil and just topped it with some sesame seeds and green onions and i think i made it um, when I come home from the bar one night and I was feeling very ambitious and very hungry, uh, and it was just amazing. Uh, it was the best elk I've ever had. So that's on my, my website if uh, anyone wants to make that, but it's, uh, yeah, you could just use spaghetti noodles or Asian noodles. You could use venison steak or, you know, round steak or whatever you got for it. But, uh, in Gochujang, you can find it actually in a lot of um, normal grocery stores these days. You don't even have to go to an Asian grocery store um, if you have any sort of Asian community in in your city. And uh, yeah, those are really really tasty. I'm gonna go like opposite side of the spectrum, and I'm gonna go with like a very like good American comfort food and talk about like venison marsala, mm. venison steak marsala, and which like so you don't know this. You don't know this about me, but I remember back a long time ago, like I was, mm, I was a teenager, maybe, maybe even a little younger, like 10, 11, 12, whatever. And my mom was working, uh, at, at the local hospital and I was staying with my grandmother and I was like, I, I want to make some food for, for dinner for us. And then like to go take, take to my mom at work. And, uh, I made, uh, venison marsala. And I remember like asking to go to the store and like looking at the Marsala wine on the shelf and was like, am I okay to buy this? Like, it seems like it's wine, right? I'm not supposed to buy this because I'm a little kid, but it's okay. And my grandmother's like, well, you don't drink it. You cook with it. And I was like, okay. So um, we go back and we make this and, you know, I do the the whole thing. Uh, I I batter the 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 chicken I think it was at the time whatever it was batter the chicken fry it I make the marsala sauce with mushrooms marsala wine and butter and all those things and uh, made up the pasta and we ate it at dinner and I like I loved it my grandmother loved it and so then we made like a to go uh, to go box and took it to my mom at at her job she was working in the emergency room like overnight and. Uh, the next day, she she asked us. She's like, "What restaurant did you guys go to to get the, the like the chicken marsala? Like that was that was so good." And I was like, "Mom, this is twelve year old Justin speaking. Uh, that was me. I made that." And she was just like, "What? Oh my gosh! Like it's so good." Um, you know, I never know if that was if she she knew I made it or if she was just like joshing me. But uh, definitely like. 
it helped push me in the world of food, I think, like that moment. And uh, so to me, like the venison marsala is like a play on like like that very like homey comfort mm. feel of like you've got just a lot of really sweet, tangy, buttery flavors with like a nice, crisp, lightly battered uh, piece of meat over pasta. Like it just screams comfort food. So yeah. That's that's my other and then uh probably like one of my my other favorites for like the summer is like the stuffed steak and I talk about this one a lot because I really really like it and I made like homemade chimichurri that I grew all the herbs and like really really phenomenal I took like uh, peppers and like marinated them thinly sliced put them inside with a. Uh, I use cheese curds because it's got the kind of a higher temperature than than a lot of other cheeses, so it held up well. Pounded out the steak super flat, put all that stuff in there, put chimichurri on the inside, tied it up, and then like grilled it, uh, and you know then like cross cut the pieces, put more chimichurri sauce on it, and like oh my gosh, it was just so good. But I think that's like it's such a great such a great steak recipe. Mm. Just pound it super thin, and it cooks pretty quickly. But it's all like really fresh components. Um, I did it on the grill, but you could also do it in a pan and then use the oven. So you'd brown, you could, you could quickly brown all the, all the outside of the, the steak roll and then finish it in the oven really quickly. And I think you'd, you'd come out with something really magical. So. Yeah. And chimichurri goes so good with, with like red meat, like any sort of like salsa verde, like Italian salsa verde or, or Argentinian chimichurri, like any of those like herby, bright sauces. Like if you ever, you know, you just have your, your back strap or whatever you're cooking and you're wondering, maybe you want to like juice them up a little bit with something kind of fancy. I would say that every time. It's just you can't go wrong with, with drizzling some of that over meat. And you can... There's no hard and fast rule as to what needs to be in it. You can use whatever herbs you have on hand, some oil and vinegar and, and salt mm-hmm. and pepper. It's just mind-blowing every time. Uh, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, I like it. Just throw all the stuff in the blender, put some oil, a little salt, a little pepper, a little lemon juice, and like, and then you're like, you got such a magical sauce. Mm. So it's good too. Do you like yours? Do you like yours a little spicy? I like mine with a little heat. Yeah, I like pretty much everything with a lot of heat, so... <laughs> Uh, I would definitely be throwing a jalapeno or a couple <laughs> in there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> awesome, awesome. So let's uh let's transition over a little bit to some roasts. So as we talk about roasts, uh, uh, you know, we we mentioned like low and slow, like cooking, uh, braising, slow cooker, pressure cooker, smoker, uh, lots of different techniques there. Um, I really like. I'm hooked on this uh, Mississippi roast, Mississippi pot roast is what it is. And this was like this, it was like a an, an Instagram, TikTok phenomenon where people uh, are taking like the ranch dressing packets and like all these other things and uh, putting them there and like you put them in a slow cooker, uh, pepperoncinis, all these things like that. And I was like, that's great. And I had it, I've eaten it, and it's delicious. I was like, but I'm going to make a version of it where you don't need all those packets or all the processed sauces and things like that. Like, we're just talking, like, wholesome ingredients. And uh, so I I did that, and holy smokes, 
I like it because it just shreds so well. It keeps a good moisture, but you can put it over potatoes. You can put it over polenta. You can put it over pasta. You can put it over rice. Like literally any starch that you like, you put this uh, Mississippi pot roast, the venison version of it, over that, and like you're just going to – it's going to blow your mind. And uh, I made a great YouTube video with the recipe, and then we've got the written recipe too on the website. But the YouTube video is pretty cool. You should go check it out. Um, I don't know. Adam, over to you for roasts. So for roasts, uh, I also have a pot roast recipe that I really like. Um, I find a lot of people do roasts out of the, the hindquarters, um, I've, and they'll do slow cookers, and that works just fine. But I tend to prefer like my round or rump roast, whatever, um, cooked medium rare. Um, so I do like a reverse sear method or, or just cook it medium rare in the oven. And I save the kind of slow fall apart things for the shanks and the shoulders. Um, so I'd like my pot roast to be kind of more the shoulder area. Um, but that's just a matter of taste. It's not, you don't have to stick to that rule at all. Um, but I made a, this chipotle, venison pot roast um and i basically like like seasoned the uh, uh, deer shoulder white tail shoulder with uh, salt and pepper seared it in oil in, a, in my cast iron um dutch oven um then tossed in like cumin smoked paprika um chopped chipotles um onions garlic i use black garlic i have this concentrated venison stock that i make every year so i just you know, roast the bones and cook it down into these, like, until it's super um, evaporated and just a little bit left, and I freeze that into chunks. So I add a bunch of that in there. Um, and then, basically, yeah, in a can of that, you know, those Rotel tomatoes with the green chilies in it? Um, dump that all in and cook, slow cook the, yeah. the pot roast uh, until it's, like, falling apart. And I take the roast out throw all the whatever's in the pot in the blender. And then I made, um, when I was in Florida, actually, I came across some ingredients that you can't find in Canada because I spent a month in Florida. And uh, I know they're not, they don't come from there, but I got some canned hatch chilies that just are impossible to find in Canada. So I made um, some really creamy grits with hatch chilies, kind of shredded the roast, put it on top of the grits, and then drizzled that blended sauce over it, and it was just incredible. Um, super kind of wintry, hearty food, like fall apart, juicy roast, uh, creamy, hearty grits, and then this like super spicy, chipotle, smoky sauce on it. Uh, yeah, it turned out awesome. Ooh, so it's like we're we're at like the tail end of hatch hatch and uh, like more in Colorado Pueblo chilies. Mm-hmm. Uh, season right now uh just like at the tail end so i may have to add that to the list of things to bring to pig camp yeah yeah well i'd like to go there one day during the the whole festival and whatever and just eat hatch chilies until my face explodes uh for a week that'd be pretty cool let's let's do it let's do it next year we'll go i'm game just it's just right down the road yeah <laughs> all right um what was i gonna say I did a so this year at the BHA rendezvous. Uh, I did a green um, wild pork green chili using uh, I used hatch, I used poblano, 
Pueblo, Fresno chilies. Used a variety of chilies in it, and man, it was it was really really good, really really good. I enjoyed it. Um, I think everybody else there enjoyed it too. So <laughs> that's good. So let's move over. Let's move over into like the the other cuts, the odd cuts, the great cuts that people often throw in the grind pile. Mm. And uh, I'll I'll add that to the the top of my list is shanks. And uh, I'm sure you got some shank recipes. I know you do. So I recently did a uh, we did Philly cheese steak shank sliders. And I did them at one of the uh, big game potlucks for BHA here, local in Colorado. And, uh, it, you know, it was super simple. I didn't have a recipe to work off. I just kind of like had what I had in my mind. I took and uh, I rubbed all the shanks down with oil, uh, put some of the big game blend on there, hit them with a little salt, and then put them in the slow cooker, dumped a can of beer in there, and probably like a pint or two of wild pork stock. And I just like, they were antelope shanks as well. So uh, I just let them go. Went to work, came back, pulled off all the meat, chopped it all up. And then we like laid out these Hawaiian bread rolls. Like the whole thing, you don't break them apart. You just lay the whole sheet out and you just fill it full of meat, put the cheese on there, put the peppers, the onions, all that. Slap them back on there and throw them back in the oven. I let everything just melt and come together and you cut them all up. And oh my gosh. I put them out for the uh, for the potluck, and they lasted all of about five minutes. Like everybody just snatched them up, and I was like, "Oh, what? Like, what do you think?" And they're like, "It was really good." What was that? I was like, "Antelope shanks." <laughs> they're like, "Oh yeah, that's delicious." So that's probably my new favorite way to do shanks. I think it's really approachable for a lot of people. I like Philly cheesesteaks as well. So it's, it's super easy to sell me on, but, um, I did. So I got a bit of inspiration from that. Did you, have you watched the show on, uh, I guess on Hulu or FX, the bear? Yeah, I did. Yeah. They have the sandwiches on there. Yeah. yeah. I got that. You know, they do the, yeah, the Italian beef sandwiches. Yeah. I took a little inspiration from that. So it was like a mix of like a Philly cheesesteak and like, a the Italian the Chicago, beef sandwiches, yeah. but uh, that's kind of like where I was watching that at the time, and I was like, it worked out well. But uh, what what do you got for like those other cuts for uh, for the shanks too? Like I think anyone in the hunting kind of wild food world is harping now, like save your shanks, save your shanks, because they're one of the best cuts of meat. It's insane that everyone's been throwing that out. You just have to know how to cook it right, and it's not that hard. So I, I tend to make a lot of kind of challenging recipes and challenging in terms of cooking skill needed and challenging in terms of uh, just how out there they are, I guess, or, or, you know, different international things people haven't heard of. But for this one, I made um, also sliders, just venison shank sliders. It's just um, you just take some venison shanks or whatever shanks you have uh, they can be whole or cut in the like the asabuco style. Um, sear them in some oil in a Dutch oven, just salt and pepper uh, till they're nice and golden brown. Add stock or water, cook them for like four or five hours until they're falling apart, and then just shred them up with a fork. Uh, get some little like brioche sliders or whatever slider bun you have. Mix some horseradish and uh, into mayonnaise with black pepper. Chop up some pepperoncini, um, throw some provolone cheese on the sliders and top of the shredded meat. 
and then I like to brush the tops of the buns with butter and then spread prim- like a freshly grated Parmesan cheese on top. And it's just like a little Ooh. umami bomb kind of awesome little sandwich. Uh, all the flavors work really good together. Um, yeah, and it's, you can make it with shoulder too or any kind of shredded meat, but it's uh, like they'll, they'll just disappear quick as well. Uh, I think any tasty slider kind of thing is always going to do well at like a Super Bowl party or something. Um, and you can even cook your shanks down like I described, just basic, no other flavors, put them in a, like shred them, put them in a bag and freeze them and then pull that out two weeks later and cook them up for your crowd. Like you don't have to slave, like wake up at four in the morning and slave over the stove all day um, on the day of. So yeah, it's just really easy, really approachable and just super, super tasty. Um, Yeah. And I've, I've, end up with a lot of shanks in my freezer so i've made a lot of different shanks um like cool shank recipes so yeah on my website interpreter.com if you're ever looking for something there's uh like filipino ones and malaysian ones and um polish and chinese so there's lots of cool lots of cool things you can do with shanks Ooh yeah i like it all right let's uh for the sake of time let's move let's move into the wobbly bits so i'll, I'll go with uh I'll go with mine first, and and I I've served this one. I did a cooking class on it too. It's it's on uh, on the website as well for like the rental indefinite rental uh, Japanese heart skewers. Man, that one's like I really really enjoyed that recipe. Uh, I made it that same night. I made the the shank sliders, and um, it's just really straightforward and simple. And I like it because a lot of folks don't know really how to approach a heart. Uh, to consume so it's just like hey you know what get it uh get it cut down into the strips put it in this delicious marinade which is like all the great things under the sun uh for like uh i think it's soy sauce and ginger and uh some sesame oil in there and just like uh tons of delicious flavors and uh you marinate it in that for probably 15 20 minutes in the fridge you pull it out fire up your grill, put them on skewers. Um, I've been using a lot of bamboo skewers lately, but I think about transitioning fully to like the metal skewers. Cause I'm, I'm kind of tired of the waste of mm-hmm. the plus the bamboo ones, man, no matter how long you soak them in water, they, they burn. always burn. And then you just end up with this like broken, broken mess. Um, so I think I'm going to switch over to the metal ones, uh, here pretty soon, but, you do you like the ribbon? It's like picture like a ribbon, like a one inch ribbon is kind of what your cut of meat is once you break down your heart, and then you just kind of like wave it on there so it goes back and forth, back and forth as you put it on, and then uh, as it grills, you just season it, hit it with more sauce and continuously, and make up some rice and some pickled vegetables, and then pull it off and throw that on top of the rice and hit it with some more sauce and just like oh, super simple, super delicious. That's that's really what I like. Mm-hmm. But what do you got, Adam, uh, for the wobbly bits? I was going to say, first, if you're looking for skewers, um, I don't know if the, how many, like, in Colorado, but if there's, like, a Persian store, Turkish or Middle Eastern kind of grocery store, a lot of them sell these, like, sword kind of skewers with a wooden handle. And it's usually for the guys who have, like, the trough of charcoal and they're having, like, you know, 100 skewers at the same time flipping them. They work, I bought a couple of those, and they work amazing. And, uh... 
I like them a lot better than the little fiddly, tiny metal skewers. Uh, so if you have any of those kind of grocery stores in the area, hit them up and see if you can source those things because they're great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen those. Yeah, I, I'll never go back after using those. So in terms of wobbly bits, I chose a, a moose tongue and black trumpet mushroom pizza that I made. Um, so I was gifted a moose tongue by a friend. And uh, they're relatively large, not quite as large as the beef tongue, but but very large. Um, and for tongue, uh, probably one of the most terrifying uh, wobbly bits when it comes to how it looks, but one of the easiest to eat. It, it tastes so good. If you ever had tacos de lengua or anything, they're just so good. It's basically just a big muscle, uh, much like the heart, which is another very um, accessible um, organ meat. Uh, but the problem with the, the tongue is that you, it looks very much like a tongue and you got to cook it and you got to peel it. Uh, so you just basically throw it into a pot of water or broth for like two to four hours. I put aromatics in like celery, onions and spices and whatnot. And then you have to, as soon as the tongue is cool enough to handle, where you're still kind of burning your fingers, but it's not unbearable, you're going to peel the skin off the tongue. If you let it cool down too much, it kind of adheres and it's going to be harder. You're going to have to use a knife probably to like to peel it. Uh, but if it's still hot, you'll probably be able to do it with your fingers. And then I just slice that super thin. And I uh, put it on the pizza. And like I made a dough from scratch and I had some black trumpet mushrooms. And uh, just like a normal kind of uh, tomato sauce. And just roast it in the oven and sprinkle some, some arugula on top. And it was just really cool, really different, but still very much pizza. It wasn't like these pizzas were like, after you're done eating, you're like, can you even call that pizza? Like, this was still felt like a good, solid, cheesy tomato sauce kind of pizza, but had um, this moose tongue on it. So it was, it was really cool. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, I'm a big fan of tongue. Like, I, I definitely love like tacos de lengua mm-hmm. and like all those things. Like, it's it's a good good meat. Like you said, intimidating. And I would picture like a moose tongue, very much like a beef tongue. Like it's this big blob of you. Like, what am I? What am I supposed to do with this thing? So, um, yeah. Let's. Uh, are you ready to play the game? Yeah. We'll have to come up with a sound for our random recipe generator. Like. <laughs> like a slot machine sound or something i don't know it's time to make a meal let's hit on it so i was just perusing while we were discussing the wobbly bits i was perusing instagram here and i landed on none other than the great hank shaw's uh post recently and he posted it uh one day ago and he says a lot of people are coming home with canada geese right now i didn't i didn't choose this this chose me so (laughs) um and as the early seasons as the early seasons have started making goose pastrami is an excellent way to enjoy skinless goose breasts it makes a superior sandwich meat it's pretty epic as a hash with potatoes and eggs Anyway, he shares a great recipe for uh, for a good goose pastrami. But we're going to pull it back. We're going to take away the pastrami, and we're going to go with goose. 
Uh, and I'll let you... You want to pick the part of the goose we'll start with? Yeah, let's do goose legs because a lot of people throw them out, and it makes me really sad that so many people throw their goose legs out because they, they're pretty versatile, awesome meat. So let's go with legs. All right, we've got goose legs. All right, so what are we going to do with our goose legs? When I think of goose legs, I think of I think of sous vide, I think of confit, I think of braise, I think of uh, you could you could smoke goose legs. Uh, where do, where do we want to land? I think um, they definitely need to be slow cooked in some fashion because they're they're too tough to just cook fast. So um, why don't we go with a, a braise? It's pretty accessible to anybody. Anybody who hunts goose could could braise the legs. All right, so let's go braised goose legs. What are we going to braise it in? Um, I think they're they're fall. Like most people are hunting them in the autumn. So why not a um, like a fall drink like a. a kind of a fall beer or cider or something like that something um kind of fun Ooh. what do you think what about like an what about like an octo octoberfest beer yeah like a marzen or something like that yeah that works yeah or like a like a bach yeah, or bach, something yeah. like it's got some good uh yeah some, yeah some caramel notes yeah all right what else do we want to put do we want to put things in with it do we want to add some vegetables or anything as we braise or are we just going to braise the legs and then do something else with them well, vegetables can never, aromatics never hurt anything, so I would always throw in, you know, an onion and carrot and celery if I was braising meat like that. Okay. All right. So I think we got a good good foundation here. Uh, what we want to do is our starch. You think in... Uh, uh, would you put any spices in with the, the braising liquid? Ooh, I would definitely, uh, I would definitely do like a little bit of salt. A little bit of pepper. Um, I'm thinking with those, with the Bach. Um, hmm. I'm thinking kind of like a a very like bold kind of seasonal spice. Mm. Um, what would be good? Maybe, maybe like a allspice or nutmeg or. Or something kind of like yeah, like a clove or something. One of those cool, cool flavors that. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, clove. I like that one. Clove. Clove, salt. I'm writing this down because I want to post it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to make this as it comes yeah. together and see how it turns out. I got a couple of goose legs <laughs> um, in the freezer, so maybe I can do that. We, we've got our braise. We've got our braise. Uh, braised goose legs going. We've got onions and carrots and celery, and we've got salt and pepper and clove in there. So like we've got some good spices. Braising in the bock. Um, what do we do for our starch? I'm thinking. Um. um I always like immediately go to potatoes, but that's just me. Yeah, I think we could probably find something cooler. What about like uh, since we're doing like the German Oktoberfest kind of thing? What about some like you know those German egg noodles, like the buttery kind of German egg noodles? Something a little different. Ooh yeah, I like those. We cook them, cook them up, and maybe like saute them in a bit of butter Ooh. too. Um, some chopped parsley. Get, get some good creaminess to those too as well. Because ooh yeah. All right, I like that. So we've got a good base. Um, do we want to do like a vegetable with it? What are we thinking aside from it? Um, um, yeah, why not? I think uh, something that works really well with clove, if you're kind of echoing flavors across the board a little bit, would be 
like a red cabbage. Mm-hmm. Um, also kind of German. Ooh, I was thinking red yeah. cabbage. Yeah. yeah. If you want to do that like um, sliced, thinly sliced and like sauteed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like reduced down, you kind of like that, that like firm but cooked. So you still get a little bit of crunch to it. Yeah. Um, and I think, do you think, uh, do you think maybe a bit of fennel? Would pair well with the with the cabbage and clover. Or do you think that's too far out there? I think it could work. You'd have to go pretty light on the seasonings, I think. But like a little bit of yeah, yeah, a little bit of fennel, some black pepper in there. I think that would be nice. Ooh, I think we get the makings of a good a good dish here. And then what would uh, we would just sauce it? We would just sauce it with some of the braising liquid. Yeah, I would say um, reduce that down into maybe thicken it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. reduce it down until it's like bubbly and thick. Um, I don't even think you'd have to put like a roux or anything if you just kept cooking it down. That yeah. Ooh, man, that sounds really good. I think we have. Do you think we need any other garnishes? Or I think we've made a meal. Yeah, I think so. Um, we have some chopped parsley in with the noodles. So there's a little bit of green mm-hmm. there. So it's just the, the classic little parsley leaf on top. Mm-hmm. and uh... <laughs> Call it done. Yeah. So are we are we keeping the the Ooh, goose man. legs? Yeah, this sounds good. Are we keeping them whole, or are we shredding them and just having like a pile of shredded meat? Do you think? I think I think like uh, let's do like let's do them whole. Okay, let's do them whole. Yeah, let's just go like family style and just kind of like serve it all on a big a big platter. Cool. I think that would be great. I think we should sear them first before the braise too. Get some color on them. Like oh yeah, do like a, a hard sear. One hundred percent. Get some good. Holy smokes, we made it. I don't know. I'm happy with this. Are you happy with this? I think so. It's kind of like a <laughs> it, it's suitable for waterfowl season. It's nice in fall, kind of like good hearty meal, nice fall flavors, kind of German inspired. Um and goose is one of my favorite meats. It's it's a kind of a maligned one, but I, I love it. So uh yeah, I'm down for this recipe. I think I still have a couple goose legs in the freezer, so maybe if I can find them, I'll try it out. Yeah, if you do, uh, please report back, yeah. or we're going to have to share the recipe mm-hmm. uh, for sure, because that, that'll be a fun one, the fact that we came up with it here on the spot. <laughs> uh, thank you, Hank Shaw, for your, your inspiration of the goose. Um, it, it's pretty exciting. But um, So, Adam, do you, you have any last thoughts uh, as we go ahead and close out the episode today? Uh, anything you want to leave uh, the guests with? Or the listeners guest listeners with? Uh, I'll just double down on my security thing. Uh, it was a real pain to go through all that, all this uh, hacking kind of nonsense. So, And I think I could have easily avoided it if I just had upped all of the security features. So, yeah, just, just go into your settings right after you listen to this podcast and uh, make sure you have everything set up as tight as it will go and uh, keep yourself safe because it's super annoying and facebook's definitely not going to help you and instagram is not going to help you so um just do it yourself beforehand and, and save yourself the trouble all right well yeah i echo that definitely um i know i went through and checked all my settings after after you made the initial post and i was like holy smokes um but yeah i hope that no one experiences that um but also too as we start to think about big game season coming on i hope we've 
put a little uh, a little more inspiration in your step. I hope you're able to get out and uh, harvest the animals you want to harvest and make the meals you want to make and enjoy some good food with friends and family and use these conversations today as resources. And uh, I'll make sure we include everything in the show notes uh, so you get links to all the recipes that we mentioned both at the Harvest Nation website, over at the Intrepid Eater, wherever we do that. And if we come out with this delicious uh, – German braised goose legs recipe that we created on the fly tonight. We will post that link there as well and amply share it across the world of social media. Uh, But outside of that, I just want to thank everybody for listening. And then uh, be sure you head over to social media. Now that Adam's got his page back up, make sure you're following him over at the Intrepid Eater. Make sure you're following Harvesting Nature as well so you can stay up to date on all the great things going on there. And then whatever podcast platform you're listening to, please subscribe, punch that five-star button, leave us a review, tell us we're doing wrong, or, you know, tell us we're doing right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.